Hi, everybody. Hi. How's it going? Good. Glad you're here. Glad you braved the storm. I made the mistake of driving here when I should have just walked. So hopefully my car can leave here when I'm done. But um, this afternoon, we're talking about developing a worship culture in your youth group. Uh, my name's Emily. I am... Um, I'm currently on staff at Yorba Linda Friends Church, which is in Yorba Linda, California. Um, I, just to even give you some background, I started in worship ministry when I was in junior high and high school. So I, my dad like won a guitar from a golf tournament and um, a bunch of my friends were taking guitar lessons at the time. And so they would just kind of teach me. And when I was in junior high, I would kind of travel from like kids' classroom to kids' classroom singing like Deep and Wide and River of Life as like an 11-year-old, which is so crazy. Um, and then I kind of progressed going into junior high. High school started leading worship a little bit, but for the majority, I was kind of just like the background vocalist. I wasn't really leading too much. Um, then when I got to college, I went to Biola University, and it felt like every girl that went to school there played guitar and sang. So I was like, I should just give up on that now. Um, but then after my first year at Biola, I started uh, a worship band on campus that was solely for the purpose of playing in chapels. That's how I met my husband. So he was the drummer in in the group with us at that time. Um, and then throughout college, just like fell in love with worship ministry, realized that it was a really a big part of my identity. Um, didn't go to school for it though, went to school for communications, but have a minor in Bible, um, obviously going to Biola. And then once, gradu once graduating from Biola in 2010, um, my husband and myself and our good friend Jeff spent the next 10 years traveling full time doing music ministry, um, getting to when we first started like playing for every, it felt like every youth group across Southern California, um, and then to the point of playing like festivals and all these kind of things. But my heart is really for development, knowing that that's how I started, was there were high, or there were adult leaders in my high school group that were not paid, that just really cared about music and worship and poured into the students. And so um, my hope is during these next few minutes that I can just give you guys a lot of really practical things to think about. I know that a lot of you are probably all over the place when it comes to worship ministry. Some of you may be like, I'm the youth pastor and I lead worship and I have no students involved. <laughs> or it could be like, hey, I've got a bunch of students that want to be involved, but they are terrible, um, musically speaking. Um, or it could be, you know, I've got, I've actually got some students that really have some talent, but I don't really know how to shepherd them. I don't have time. Um, there's just so many pieces to this. So my hope is that I can give you guys some really practical stuff um, to, to kind of walk through. So for me, when it comes to uh, junior high and high school worship through music, uh, when we first uh, graduated from college, we actually were here at Hume for, we've done six summers at Hume and three winters. And our first two summers were in junior high. And then the next four were like high school and then a mix of both. And I was just hit with this reality of like, you know, a big part of Christian liturgy is music. It's a huge part of it. But sometimes what happens is we just put music at the top of a service, but our students have no idea why we're doing it. Um, and so that's what I experienced in Meadow Ranch with our junior hires is like, we're singing all these songs. They're coming from a place of of maybe singing songs like River of Life, and now they're being asked to kind of transition into what we would 
call like adult songs, what, what gets played in big church. Um, and so I developed this heart for like, we should make sure they know why we're doing this. Um, because if not, we're just totally missing the mark. Uh, recently I was involved with a high school group and they would ask me to come in and lead. And <laughs> I was always, I always left so discouraged because they would choose the songs uh, for me to sing and they would say, this is how much time we have. And then we would just like fly through those songs. The students are not engaged at all, but everyone on stage is like trying to like pull some energy out of them. But you can just tell in their faces, they're just like, I don't really know what I'm doing here. Why are we singing songs? Especially with youth groups that have maybe a lot of unchurched kids. It's very weird for them to come together and sing songs. Um, and what happens, you can also tend, we'll talk about this a little more, like to venture into like, oh, it's just like an emotional frenzy. And they don't understand that there's like a there has to be a spiritual depth to what we're doing. So my hope in kind of breaking down these next three things is, is really so that we're, we're hitting the mark. And so we're not just saying, oh, well, music is a part of church, so let's have music, but our students don't understand why we're doing it. So there's three places that I kind of want to um, walk through this afternoon. And um, so some of the points might be really uh, beneficial for some of you, where some of you might feel like we've got this, we've got that part of it on lock. Uh, but hopefully there's some things that you can take away. So the first would be uh, in developing a worship culture, it's obviously important to focus on musicianship. That's like the lowest hanging fruit. Um, it, it doesn't, this specific thing is not like spiritually focused. It's just purely looking at like ability because the reality is, is if we want to give our best to God, we have to start with like, what is the avenue by which the worship is taking place? And in this, uh, for you guys, in your youth groups, it's music. That's where it's starting. So um, a common problem is that there's like no one to play or there's lack of ability. When I walk through a couple of these things, um, it's just important to note two things. One, junior hires and high schoolers are not professional musicians, and they're not going to be. Like, when I listen back to what I even sounded like as a freshman in college, and even Johnny, my husband, he's been playing drums since he was 12, and he'll listen to when he played drums when he was 20, and he's just like, oh my gosh, it was just so terrible. So then I think about like a 14-year-old who just has like picked up a bass guitar for the first time, and then they're thrown a song like Gyra, that like, I don't know if any of you are musicians and you've ever tried to play through gyra. It's like all these different chord progressions, like, oh, let's randomly change the progression of this one chorus seven minutes into the song. It's so complicated that, that we have to be realistic with our students that they're, they're not gonna hit um, that perfect bullseye. I mean, I think that's even true for like main services is sometimes music is made to be like, we, we want it to be excellent, but we have to realize like, where is the bar for our specific group? I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like, if you're starting with students that are fresh to music, it's setting the bar at an appropriate place. And sometimes that means even stripping away instruments to not make it too complicated. This same youth group that I was a part of, they had um, student musicians. And I remember the first couple times kind of coming in and they were choosing these songs and I'm like, I don't think these songs are so complicated that what, what's happening is the students are actually leaving, the student musicians are leaving really discouraged because they feel like we sounded really bad because they were given a piece of music that was way too complicated for them rather than choosing something that's like really simple or stripping something back so that they can leave the set feeling like, guys, we killed it, we did it. Not that like, 
musical, the musical component is the most important part, but like music is something that people find passion in and so you want them to love it. So it's finding songs or arrangements that really can benefit them. Um, and that's also to say like, you might have a lot of students that are wanting to be involved. Um, I know one of the trickiest things for me was we were involved with a youth group back I don't know, 2011, and they had me sit in on like the high school auditions for students to join student bands. And that's, that's hard because you'll have students come in and they, you know, this eighth grade girl and she sings her heart out and there's, there's some students who are like, we could work with that, but then there's some where it's like, that's just not really your gifting. Um, I would encourage you to, to really like have in-depth conversations with your students rather than just like, you know, who makes high school choir and the list gets posted, but like, hey, we don't feel like this is your gifting, but we're gonna actively figure out where you're supposed to be and another avenue to plug you in. Or, hey, if music isn't really your gift at this time, like, do you still wanna be part of the team and we can start you out on like running our pro presenter or putting lyrics on the screen? Or have you ever thought about what it would look like to run like the soundboard and kind of teaching them how to do that? Um, the development that can happen there is huge. So uh, with students that are coming in, if you've got a, I feel like most youth groups, it's the opposite. You have not enough students that wanna be involved, am I correct? Than like the overabundance. But just in case you have students that are coming in, it's like don't, don't feel the pressure to make this massive band because when you go on YouTube, the arrangement of the song has eight people. Like I think this happens for worship pastors that are over whole congregations. We feel this pressure to, to make something massive because that's how it was originally delivered to us and we just don't have to. Um, even having a conversation with someone already this week about it can feel like musically to capture our students' attention, we have to do like something that feels big and something that draws them in emotionally. But I think a big part of pastoring them and developing a worship culture is helping them understand that worship actually is not contingent on like how big the sound is. Um, it's actually more about the lyrics. The music is a big part of it because we don't want to be distracting, but worship could still be... Jeremy Riddle talks about in, in his recent book about worship, he talks about um, like the power that we find in worship is actually not found in any like extra thing like music or sound or lights. It's purely in the people of God coming together. So regardless... If, if it was 10 people singing at the top of their lungs or a stadium with the greatest sound system all, of all time, the power is the same because the power is found in pe God's people coming together. And so helping our students understand that and not painting an unrealistic picture musically of like, this is what it means to have powerful worship. We have to have big sound and you know all these different instruments. So all that to say, here's a couple practical things to help your students musically. Um, the first would be like third-party apps. And what I, when I say that, I obviously mean YouTube. But when I was a high school student, we didn't have any of that. Like being able to look up a tutorial, it took a physical person sitting in front of me to say like, we're going to walk you through this. And in a time where it feels like there's always so much to do, to be able to send a student a link to say, hey, this person is gonna walk you through how to play this song on the bass or on the electric guitar, or this person's gonna walk you through what their pedal board looks like. It frees you guys up while still 
knowing that they're getting like really, really great content because you have like these massive uh, musicians that take the time to create these videos. YouTube is a free one, but another one that we actually just started using as a band because it's helping us prep, but it's really great for students is, um, so Multitracks is uh, a company that, that different like worship acts and stuff can send their tracks through. That's their primary thing is like you can download tracks now. Most junior high and high school groups are not running tracks and I think that's totally fine. But something that they do have is called Rehearsal Mix. And essentially what it is is it allows you to choose a song. I think it says they have like 22,000 songs that you can choose from. It allows you to choose a song and your student could have a login and let's say that they're the drummer it allows you to turn drums down and have everything else up so that they could practice to it. So they could literally just put it in their ears and practice along, but they're not playing against their instrument. Or they could just solo the drums to say, I, I can't really tell what that drummer's playing, so I'm gonna solo it and see what that sounds like. I kind of ran like rough numbers on what it would cost, and if you had 10 student musicians, it would cost you $20 a month to have this. Now some of you have way less than that. There's also ways around it where you have like the same login for multiple people, but I mean, I don't wanna be the person that says to do that. But um, $20 for 10 people, like if you're at a point where I just need people to pour into my students musically. Maybe their heart is there, but the music part is what's really difficult. Then rehearsal mix could be a really great option. Um, another thing would be maybe like a weekly, which a weekly sounds like a lot. So maybe it's more like twice a month, uh, a time, maybe it's Thursdays from six to eight hey, we're just gonna have the youth room open and it's kind of like a big practice. We're gonna look at some songs and just allow people to like to play with no fear of messing up because there's nobody watching. They can just play through songs and, and maybe you do have a couple um, adult volunteers maybe from your main service that would be willing to donate time um, to play on the instruments that aren't available. But when I think back, at what it meant for me to like really grow as a high school student, it was like those hour and a half practices where it was just us in the youth room and we could play through a song and be like, that was really bad. Or like, hey, that thing that you played didn't sound right. But also having a, an adult there that actually knew what it should sound like to kind of gracefully lead us in the right direction. So even if it is like, or even once a month, just to, to have a space, because also a lot of these students don't have access to all of these musical things just at their homes. So it's also allowing you to create a community, um, to give them access to the equipment, and, and to really work through songs. Um, a third thing would be in, in song selection, I kind of talked about this already in the types of songs, but this for me is more like how many songs are you actually asking your students to know? Um, when I was kind of processing this with Johnny, he asked me like, okay, well, practically what does that mean? And I feel like for me, if, if I was in charge of a youth worship band and we were playing five songs a week, I probably per quarter would not have more than 20 songs that like we're actively knowing. Because if you don't set a limit, then it just feels like any week there could be a new song and they're gonna spend a bunch of time getting to know this one song and then who knows if you'll ever play it again. And the more that you're able to kind of go through it, let's say like three quarters in, yeah, you could pull back from a song that still is really popular. It doesn't mean every quarter you have to literally start with 20 new songs all over, but it's like to even email your students and say, 
These are the 20 songs for the next three to four months that we're going to look at. So listen to them a lot, get really familiar with them. And then in three to four months, I'm going to send you another list. And probably at least half of these songs are going to roll over to the new list. Um, but it gives you, it gives your students an opportunity to, again, like really master songs so that they don't leave discouraged musically. Um, it also gives your students in your youth group a chance to really get to know them. Um, I've I've seen too many, seen too many youth groups for the sake of relevancy because they see like a cool song that comes out and they think that, oh, musically the song's really cool, so we want to play it for our students. They they change that over so often and play those songs, um, like changing them constantly that their students actually never get to know the songs. So like even when we were here at Hume, we'd be here for a week, we'd play maybe four songs in the morning and five songs at night. So that's Monday through Friday, nine, 45 songs, 45 to 50 songs. I think my master list for the week was like 17 to 18 songs because it just gave students a chance to like really know the songs, especially because like you're constantly in the state of like planning services and thinking about songs and you're like, you are either practicing the songs uh, or you're with your students as you're practicing them. So it feels like the kids have got to be tired of this song already. But the reality is, is they're hearing it once a week. And by the time that the next week rolls around, like it's not as fresh in their minds. And so um, I think really, lim really limiting um, the amount of songs that you play maybe per quarter. And then the last one would be, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit already, but approaching your worship pastor, um, not to give them more work, but to say, hey, are there any volunteers that you have on Sunday mornings that would be willing to either like, one-on-one -on -one mentor a student, or maybe like you've got two kids that love electric guitar and they are just looking for a place to excel. Hey, do you have a volunteer that is really great that plays in the main service that would be willing on a Saturday morning to just meet with these two students and say, this is my pedal board. Ask me whatever question you want about it. And here, here's my guitar. I'll actually let you play it and you mess with all the pedals. It's those kind of open spaces that really give students permission to, to fail without fear of being like then excluded or pushed off the team. Um, it, it really al allows them to thrive. So, so that's kind of the first big point that again, is kind of like the lowest hanging fruit because obviously if it's music through worship, Music is a big part of it. Any questions when it comes to music before I move on? Cool. If questions come up at the end, no worries. The next one, and this is probably the one that I'm most passionate about, is teaching. Um, like I said, when, I, when we first started leading worship here, um, it's like we would get through a set and I would play through all, you know, five songs in the evening chapel of Meadow Ranch. And you, I could just see the students just kind of staring at me like, uh, why is this happening? Or what is it that I'm supposed to do? Even when it comes to like physical posture, like, yeah, just what's the point of all of this? And so my heart really grew for helping students understand like where we see worship in scripture, like why we even do it, uh, why it's important, what am I even sp supposed to be doing during this time? Like why are people raising their hands? Um, why are people kneeling? It's just like a, it's such a complicated thing for someone that doesn't have like 
I mean, for a lot of you, it's like you've got all of this, like, even if it's not official theological training, you've been around ministry for a long time. So it feels very obvious to us of why things would happen. But we have all of these students, and I would even um, beg to say even adults in our main services that aren't really sure why we're doing what we're doing. So teaching for me is huge. Um, I was at this event recently, and um, I was talking with uh, one of the dean of students because it was at a college, and he was just talking about, like, it's so fascinating, you know, worship leaders and, and the responsibility that they carry. And he talked about this fine line between giving them what they want while simultaneously teaching them what to want. And when he said that to me, I just haven't really been able to shake it because I do understand it's like as, as youth, you do want to give them what they're looking for in the sense of a really beautiful like musical moment because all, they open up Spotify and it's like these incredible musical things. They, they'll go to a show, they'll go to a Harry Styles concert or whatever. And it's like music does have the ability to do something really beautiful um, and they're in a stage of life where their creativity is just like off the charts. They're just like wanting new experiences. And so you give them what they want in the sense of like, yeah, we're going to go for musical excellence for sure. And we're going to create really beautiful moments. But simultaneously, we're going to teach you what you should actually want. And that's the presence of God. And if we don't teach them what to want, then in the end, it's like, they might as well just go to a Harry Styles show. Like, what is the difference? And so for me, when it comes to teaching, there's so many ways that this can happen in your youth group. Um, whether it's happening from your worship leader or from you as the, um, the youth pastor, whether it's coming from youth volunteers. Um, but the key is, is like we have to teach them, um, hey, when it comes to music, this is what we're going after. And to teach them to want it is, is such a fascinating way to look at it. So a couple ideas to kind of um, maybe set you guys on a great trajectory. I think a huge one is just having like a very, very small teaching series on worship. Even if it's like two weeks long, it doesn't have to be overly complicated, but I think a great way to build community amongst your students that want to be involved in worship is like bring them in on the planning process of that. Like ask them, what do you think, what do you think your peers think about worship? And like, what do you think it is that they're missing? There's so many, um, when we were here in Ponderosa, we would have conversations with high school students that were really passionate about worship through music, and they're like, we just don't, we don't think our, our peers get it. And, but they would be able to articulate to us why they didn't think they understood or what was missing for them. So I think really relying on your students to like pull them in and say, hey, be a part of this. How should we, let's get creative with these two to three weeks of a series. Like, how should we put the night together? Should we have music just at the top? Should we do music at the beginning and at the end? Are there some other elements that we can tie in to really help students understand why it is that we're doing it? And then obviously, for whoever's teaching, just breaking down biblically, like, why does this even exist? And why through music? Because um, I think that's one of the big things that I, I guess I can't say just students, people in general, Christians get shortchanged on is like we use the word worship and that is just synonymous with music. But really it's so much bigger than that. Like what does a life of worship look like? And then how do we connect that then to music? Um, yeah, saying, hey, this is, an, this, is an, this is important enough for us to spend 
two to three weeks looking at this. Kind of going back to what I first said, it's like, we commit, like I look at the church I'm at right now, I'm like, we spend half of our service time in music. It's, we're missing it if people don't know why we're doing it. Like, we, not to say it's a waste of time because God can do such incredible things in someone's heart through music, even if they're not aware fully of what's happening. But it's like, why would we not get the most out of that time um, and teach through it? Uh, another thing would be really pouring into your students that are musicians that want to be part of the team, whether that's going through a book together or having intentional time to uh, you know, talk about what worship means because you're wanting them to lead from a place of understanding and knowledge. There was another youth group that I was involved with and it's like I could see that the youth were wanting to take that next step, but they were needing a lot of teaching and, and really coaching on like why we worship, what's the point of it. Um, and I would have conversations with their students that were on stage leading with me and playing instruments. And it was crazy to me how much they also did not get it at all. But they had been elevated to this place of leadership to be put on stage, not to say that like, your students have to have like a doctorate, you know, where they like know everything, but they should have a basic understanding of why it is that we choose to sing together. And so setting aside some intentional time for your students um, to really walk through why it is that we sing. Again, if there's any like books or whatever that you guys would want, um, ask me after, because I, I definitely would have a couple um, good options that aren't super long, because again, or not again, but you don't want to add like a bunch of work to your students that are like involved in sports and they have like AP classes. You want to make it super simple. So even if it's like, oh, we get together once a month, you know, um, but making sure that your student leaders know why it is that you're doing what you're doing. Um, another thing that, that I like to do a lot is having teaching moments in the middle of worship. This is a great way to like train your student leaders to carry a moment, um, especially for the students that you feel like, wow, I could really see them going into like even part-time ministry or like I feel like ministry is a big part of what they're going to continue um, on in. Um, finding moments to maybe like have a reflection. You take a, a, some lyrics and say like, hey, we're just going to think through these lyrics right now, what they mean, uh, for our lives, what God's trying to tell us through this truth. Maybe it's a time of prayer specifically. I'm a huge advocate for students of like, hey, there's nothing wrong with spending time beforehand and writing your whole prayer down and like just read it. It doesn't make it less sincere because it's written down. In, in fact, sometimes I feel like it's more sincere because then they get to actually think about it versus the like run on prayer because the students don't know how to land the plane and they're just like praying for like three minutes. Um, it's like, hey, you're going to close this time of worship and prayer. I want you to think about what you'd want to pray, knowing what song we're coming out of for what would you want to pray to God on behalf of all of us? Like, feel free to totally write that down and then to pray it over us. So reflection, prayer, a story. Maybe there's a student that has experienced something recently and that's an opportunity to like level the playing field between them and their peers of like, hey, this is something that I've experienced or this is a struggle that I've had um, through story, uh, uh, explanation of a lyric. There's a lot of songs that, especially for unchurched kids, you're like, I mean, even this morning we sang No Other, that lyric of I can see strongholds coming down. We'll do that song a lot in like high school, junior high settings, but usually the 
first or second time we play it, I'll stop before the bridge and I'll explain like, this is what a stronghold is so that there's actual depth to the lyrics versus some like churchy sounding words that we're singing together. So explanation of lyric, obviously like a passage of scripture to read that shows students, hey, what we're singing comes directly from scripture. Um, Or like a new perspective or like a utilization of the song. And when I say that, I mean like, uh, so we sang the song Bigger Than Last Night. A great way to use that as a tool or to utilize that song while teaching students to go a little bit deeper would be like, hey, we are, we're going to get to the end of this song, and I want to tag, tag the chorus one more time. But before I do, I want to invite everybody to put their hands out in front of them just in this posture of surrender. Um, it, there's nothing magical about it. It's literally just with our bodies saying what our hearts are saying. And I want you to visualize what you're afraid of right now. Like what is the most overwhelming thing in your life? I want you to visualize it in your hands. And as we sing this last chorus, like sing it as if you're surrendering that thing to God. You're saying, God, you're bigger than this thing. And so I trust you. Um, it's finding these moments in, in our sets to really break down and help people understand hey, it's not that complicated what we're doing. Like, it's not this big, like, emotional frenzy. There's something really simple to it. Um, So finding those teaching moments. And then the last would be also in your worship sets, maybe finding a space for, like, a non-musical, I put worship activity, which sounds so funny. But um, this could be, hey, you know, one night, maybe it's during the, the worship series that you do. One night, we're gonna break down like the postures of worship. So like people raise their hands in worship. Where do we find that in scripture? Oh, we actually do find it in scripture. There's places where we're told to raise our hands to the Lord or kneel or clap or shout to kind of break down for people. I know we did this in Meadow Ranch one year and it was crazy how, how beautiful it was. It was as simple as like, we would get to a part of a song and I would say, okay, uh, scripture tells us at times to kneel. Uh, and this is why, you know, here's the passage that talks about it. And then I would have all 500 junior high students kneel at that moment. Cause I just wanted to take the like mystery out of it. It's like, Hey, just like get off your chair and just kneel. It's like, it's, it's just a physical posture that we're taking. And then I'd say, we're going to sing through the next like two minutes of the song. I just want you to stay kneeling while we sing it and just, just see, like, what is that experience like for you? Um, just to break it up for students, because sometimes the biggest hurdle is, like, the first time of, like, a student kind of raising their hand, and they're just kind of like this at first, or, you know, maybe it is kneeling, or, or they're too afraid to clap, or, or even something as simple as singing. It's, it's making it really uh, digestible for them, and to kind of take the first time, like, off their plate. So there isn't a lot of pressure. Like, hey, you already kneeled. If you want to kneel at any other part during the service, you already know what it feels like. So go for it. So postures of worship is a big one. Um, Maybe prayers of thanksgiving spoken out loud. At one point during the set, you stop and you say, hey, so that we can all hear what we're thankful for, I'm just going to play a little bit and just shout out something you're thankful for. And if two students shout out at the same time, it's okay. We're still thankful. (laughs) You know, it's like... And then what happens is students get to hear each other shout what they're thankful for. Um, there's something really beautiful that happens, and that is worship. Like, they're not singing, but they're still declaring how good God has been to them. Another one could be putting poster boards around the room and say, hey, during this next song, um, 
find a poster board and write down who God has been to you in this season. Like what's an attribute of God that has meant a lot to you even in this last week? And then service is done, your youth group's done, and there's like poster boards full of different color and different handwriting that all say like, God has been my comfort. God has led me. God has comforted me. And then students will reference it. Like they will take a peek at it before they leave. And so there's something really powerful in them sharing in that together. Um, Another one, it's, you know, prayer cards of, you know, hey, there's some cards here, or we passed them out. Write down something that you need prayer for and leave it during this song. And then, hey, during the next song, I want you to go and take someone else's card and pray for them during that time. And then maybe a last one is like, well, I kind of mentioned this one, like surrendering, visualizing something in their hands. It's finding these like non-musical things to do that help break down what it is that we're singing musically. Something that I like to say, um, I was going to say for students, but for everybody. Oh, I'm having the same problem as Donna. Um, Is, hey, these songs, they should represent what's happening outside of these walls. Sometimes what happens is we get into a, a space like this and we focus on the here and now, which is important. God is meeting us in the here and now. But if I'm singing... um, I don't know, Battle Belongs is the first song that comes to mind because I actually had a discussion with someone about this very thing. Talking about, you know, when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. When we hear the lyric, my hands lifted high, we think of like in this room, in a state of like congregational worship together. But it's like, when I fight, I fight on my knees, meaning like I don't fight for myself. I allow the Lord to fight for me. If that doesn't represent what's happening outside of the walls, then like what's really the point? We're just singing really empty lyrics. And so finding teaching moments like this helps our students connect. Oh, what we're singing here has massive implications for what's happening outside of the room. In fact, what's outside the room is actually more important than than this 20-minute segment of us singing together. So all that to say for teaching, any questions? comments. Love it. Cool. Uh, The last one is, feels like the biggest no-brainer, but even at the church I'm at right now, uh, we're in a season of just a lot of, you guys know, just stuff where you know, a lot of questions of like, what is the purpose of all this? What are we doing? Are people are missing it or are we missing it? Or, you know, just all this inner turmoil. And I'm finding now more than ever that the call to prayer is like, is the most important one. You know, it's like, we can focus on musicianship. It's important. We can focus on teaching our students. Also important. But if we aren't spending time actively praying for a move of God in the hearts of our students, praying to the one who actually can cause a massive shift like that to happen, whether it's a shift in a specific set of worship or something like, God, we don't have any volunteers right now. There are no students that want to be involved. Send us some, please, Lord. Because there's gotta be students in your youth group that have musical ability. They're just too afraid to step out. Or God, could you please send us some volunteers in the main that just all of a sudden miraculously have a heart for youth musicians? (laughs) Like, 
in all of the setbacks and difficulties that we, we find in developing a worship culture in our youth groups, like prayer is the number one answer. Um, so all that to say, find times with your student leaders to pray for their peers, to pray for the worship culture. Model that for them. Model for them what it looks like to have someone pray for a move of God, you know? I think there's so many youth pastors that I meet that like, they just have such a heart to, to almost see like youth worship. This sounds bad, but I think I, I think you guys know what I'm saying. Like the youth worship to just like blow this main service worship out of the water. And I don't mean musically. I just mean like, God, could you do something so beautiful here in the next generation that like our adults in the adult service would be floored by what God is doing here with students that really understand why it is that it's happening. So that even if you've got one person on an acoustic that doesn't really know what they're doing or a seven person band that is like pro level, our students worship stays exactly the same. Uh, he's sitting in the back, but it came to mind. But Chris modeled this so well when he was over 11, 12. Like no matter where, no matter when we would come to worship with their students, it could be like the smallest breakdown or like this massive thing. Their students were bought in. Um, and they understood why it is that, that it was happening because students were invited in to like want that for their peers. And so a beautiful way for that to happen is through having regular times of prayer, whether that's like, oh, before youth group, we're gonna meet 30 minutes before and we're gonna pray for tonight's service specifically, or hey, once a month, we're gonna get together as a team and we're gonna spend time praying for maybe these next set of 20 songs that we're gonna lead in this next season. Let's just pray for these songs specifically that God would use them and speak to students through them. Um, it's also a massive thing to invite the rest of your church to pray for it, whether there's like a weekly you know, prayer thing that goes out or I feel like every church has that like group of ladies that are just like relentless prayer warriors and like they're kind of under the radar, but if you need to find them, you can find them. Ask those ladies, you know, like, hey, would you just add like the worship ministry for our students to that list? Um, because we're really wanting to see God do incredible things. We don't want our time of music in, in a youth group to just be something that we kind of like flub through, but we want it to be meaningful. Would you pray for that? Um, or even finding times, I know that this is not a possibility for, for every youth group, um, but when you reach the point of having like a majority student band to say like, hey, lead pastor, would you be willing to let us lead one, one weekend this year? And we'll really prep for it, we'll come in prepared. Um, but as a result, it would allow people to see the youth and then to maybe even have like, hey, can everyone just extend a hand to the youth and just pray? And again, it's not so it can be gimmicky. It's not so that we can have another programming element in our main service. It's truly because we believe that prayer has the power to change things. Um, so this is what I wanna do so that we can put our money where our mouth is. I would love it if just for the next like five or 10 minutes, you would break off with two other people that didn't, that aren't from your church. Um, and to maybe ask a quick question, like what's your biggest need for when it comes to worship in your youth group? Where are you seeing that you really need God to come through? And then to just spend a couple minutes praying for each other, praying that God would do a really miraculous work um, and that he would use all these really practical things like multi-tracks and 
practices and you know, teaching moments, that God would use those things to draw students to himself so that they would want to love and honor him with their entire lives. That's really the whole point of this, is to just draw students into that. So um, I'm going to have you guys break off into groups. I'll be around here. Chris's um, uh, breakout starts at 4. So I'll hang out here until 4. So if you're done praying, if you have any questions or um, or whatever, need something from me, then please um, go ahead and hit me up. But let's go ahead and break off into groups and spend some time praying.